So this morning, um, we have Debbie Bryson teaching. Many of us know Debbie, yay, but some of us don't because we have new faces and visitors. So this is Debbie Bryson. She's um, just a lover of God's word, a lover of God's women, and um, she's been serving here at Calvary Vista for many, many years, but she also travels the world and just pours into the life of women the answer, the word, and the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And everything she usually teaches on, writes, or encourages you in a one-on-one conversation is centered around those things, which is awesome. So, but I was thinking about Debbie this week that um, she's, she's just kind of the perfect blend of Mary and Martha because she's so um, devoted and so sweet and still at the feet of Jesus and listening for his voice and all that he wants to pour into her and then pour through her. But I tell you, this woman is a firecracker, and she is just on, like, we can do this. Like, who came this summer to Pinterest and Proverbs? Yeah, so she spearheaded that with an amazing team and just was, let's get it done. And, um, but it's the beautiful blend of um, both of the, the women that we studied this week. So please warmly welcome Debbie Bryson. So, um, some of you I just really know, you opened up your notebook, so excited to study women of the Bible, and there, first out of the gate is Martha! Oh my goodness, and some of you, some of you I know you, you thought, oh no, I'm going to get a good scolding. I'm going to get a good scolding this week. And um, really, I, I, I pray that you moved on from there, that God had a way lot more to say to you um, than just a good scolding. King of my heart, the perfect song for us. As you came in, you actually got the lyrics to two very important songs that I feel like are totally, totally go with this week. Open your Bibles to Luke 10, if you would. So we're all ready to step in, dive in, all in. And let me ask you, as you begin this morning, where is your joy level? Where's your joy level? I mean, that's a critical um, question for you because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And in his presence is fullness of joy. So where's your joy level? Huh? Some of us, too often, we run close to the E. That means empty, running on fumes, enjoy. This story of these two women is exactly what we need. It's what we need. We need a paradigm shift from distracted and worried and troubled, and there's a progression right there, distracted first, then worried, and then annoyed, disturbed. Yes, about many things. And the answer to that is trust and obey. If you know that song, trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. At the top of your sheet is a song that I just discovered last Friday. I I didn't even know it existed. And the middle stanza nails it. When did I forget that you've always been the king of the world? I try to take back 
right out of your hands, the king of the world. How could I make you so small when you're the one who holds it all? When exactly did I forget that you and not me are king of the world? Lord, we just open our hearts so full, so open, so wide, so needy to you. And God, may we take the troubles off the throne, ourselves off the throne, and put you right where you belong, the king of the world. Thank you a thousand million times in Jesus' name. And they all said, amen. I love that this picture of two ordinary women can literally change our lives to from paradigm one, when did I make you not king of the world to king of my heart? Song number two, let the mountain, oh, let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life, the wind inside my sails, the anchor in the waves. May you be the king of my heart. It is so perfect. So, what is the story about? If you could write a summary statement, if I could just say, write a summary statement, what is their story about? I believe it's an invitation. It's not a scolding. It's an invitation to take our raggedy self, and sometimes we know we are our raggedy self, our raggedy mess, from trusting in ourselves to trusting in him through the storm and through the waves. Amen? Amen. So, let me get, have you get a pen and a paper because I need you to write one verse at the very top of your page. It is John 11, verse 5. And it profoundly says, Now, now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Lest you think that he shifted the paradigm there, that, that he, he only sometimes loved Martha, but mostly Mary. Please, please, don't, please don't put your end to the story there. Jesus loved Martha and her sister. That's a good word to start this story. He loved all three of them. But, but, as we see in this story, life gets busy and sometimes kind of crazy and sometimes downright painful. It did for these two women, Mary and Martha, and it does for us. I love that God does not paint a glossed over rosy picture for his people. That would, that would hurt us. That would humiliate us if he does that. He lets us step into, and that's how we're to read this story, step in to their wor- real world. Oh, yes, we have the line, Martha, Martha, you are distracted and worried and troubled. But one thing is needed. So, so not just welcome to their world, but welcome to our world, right? So what is their real story? 
I had you turn to Luke chapter 10. If you backed up the truck a little bit, you would see that chapter starts out by Jesus taking 70 of his disciples and sending them out to to share the gospel. The harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Go tell the good news of the gospel. And they weren't to take a, a money bag. They weren't to take a bread lunch with them. They were to go into people's house and just eat what, what was given to them. Seventy of them. And we also know in the Gospels that at certain times he gathered them back and they just did a pray shout. They shared what they learned. They shared what happened. They shared their God stories. Awesome. I just wonder, since, since Mary and Martha's story begins for us at the end of chapter 10, if maybe those praise sessions uh, of not just 12 disciples, but 70 converged two miles from Jerusalem at Bethany. And as we read, now it happened in verse 38, that as they went, they, and we just don't know how many they, entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him. Welcomed him. Welcomed who he brought and welcomed him. She was a wide open girl. And she had a sister, Martha, who also, please circle the word also, be a Bible scholar. Pay attention to every word because every word in the word of God opens a door to understanding, to riches of insight as it does in this who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word, implying that Martha wasn't always in the kitchen. Sometimes that Mary and Martha, they were just, they were just hanging on his every word. But this day was a busy day. Again, welcome to our world. But, 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 when you come to a word, but, you sometimes need to say, uh-oh, uh-oh, <laughs> I, think, I think trouble's coming. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And this is what she did when she became distracted. She approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, therefore, tell her to help me. Tell her to help me. So, as we look at this, um, I just want you to underline this verse 40. It unlocks the key to this moment. And I believe the words, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone, are one of the keys to the story. It's interesting, in Mark 6, after a busy day, Jesus instructed his disciples to get in a boat and cross to the other side to cross to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. But midway, a violent storm with winds and waves crashing not just around the boat, but in the boat, was the scene. And Jesus was asleep on a pillow. They woke him up with the very same question. Don't you care? Don't you care that we are perishing? Don't you care that we are sinking? And you know what? Us as women, we have that same emotion, don't we? Maybe it's bills. Don't you care, Lord, that I'm sinking under this load of bills? 
Don't you care? Don't you care that I have these kids and I'm left to serve alone? Don't you care that I have so much on my plate and somehow I just feel so alone in this? I'm sinking. This weekend, was, I was a, was a friend of mine and she um, has an autistic child who is now 23. And he still will never be able to live by himself. He gets up in the middle of the night, almost every night, and paces all night. Lord, I'm sinking sometimes. I know she feels like that. Sinking, sinking, that sinking feeling. And that can just be us. Sometimes we think, how, how long? How long? Why is this just my job? Right? Even Elisha felt like this. Lord, I'm the only faithful one here. Are you seeing this? I'm the one that's standing up for right and being persecuted by evil people because of that. We don't see the words written, but I know the emotion. He was thinking, Lord, don't you care? For Martha, this was, whether it was 12 hungry men or 70, it was way over her head. But she was the one who initiated it. She was the one who welcomed Jesus. And as we know, Jesus never traveled alone. Now, if you read between the lines, it appears, it appears that these two sisters and their brother live together. And maybe, just supposing, their parents had died young. They They had died young. And I'm sure, well, I'm pretty sure, that Martha was the older sister. Mary was the baby in the family, and Lazarus was probably in between. So why do you think that I suppose that Martha was the older sister? We all know that have older sister, she was just bossy. That was it. She was just bossy. And again, maybe, maybe if her parents, and I know a woman who, who this happened, she was the older sister. And so if her parents had died, she had just taken everything on her shoulders to keep the family together, to take care of them. But here's a news flash. Whenever we do that, when we take everything on our shoulders, sometimes we don't let anybody else, we don't let anybody else help because we do it best. I'm just saying, we think we do it best. And there'll be a day, there'll be a day that is just too much. And we have a breaking point. But be aware that is sometimes our breakthrough. Our breaking point can be our breakthrough moment. The breaking point when she hit the wall, when she became angry, with the work that she was doing, she became angry at her sister wasn't, that wasn't helping. But this progression went from being distracted and then worried to being annoyed, not just with her sister, but with God. Unless we leave her with her hand on her hip and a look on her face, we need to keep going with this. <clears throat> we need to keep going. I'll be the first to say that I am completely understanding this moment. (laughs) I can 
I can and I do sometimes have my meltdown moment. But here is the, here is the key too. He was right there. He was right there. He is always right there for me, and he is always right there for you. Two weeks ago, I got so spun out, spun out, and annoyed at a whole sequence of things, I was entirely rude to somebody. I mean, the way that I said it and what I said, oh my goodness. And I heard the voice of the Lord as clear as I ever do say, Debbie, go to your room. Just go to your room and shut the door. You know what? I was relieved. (laughs) Put me and everybody else out of my misery. Send me to my room, God. And I did. I just went straight to my room as fast as I could and closed the door and got on my knees. And I have these songs, the the king of my heart printed in seven places, in, in, in every single one of my Bibles and on my wall. It is the mission of my life that he would be that. And I got on my knees, pulled it off the wall, and just started singing it. It's better when I sing alone because it's not good in public. But I sang it with all of my heart, almost as good as Jewel in my mind. (laughs) Over and over be the wind beneath my sails and the anchor in my waves. Oh, you are good, good, good. I'm bad, but you're good. (laughs) Give me a shift here. And I stayed there. Until I was good. I was at peace. I was at peace. I needed him not just to fix my circumstances. I needed him to fix me. To calm me down. To set me right. May I give you here, at this moment, a little scientific information. Dr. Carolyn Leaf, who is a neuroscientist a doctor who studies the brain, says negativity keeps the mind locked and causes neurodegeneration of the brain. What does that mean? If you stay mad and negative, you're going to kill brain cells, just so you know. And that's what happens. Newsflash, warning there. So in my room, on my knees, all of a sudden, I just didn't feel calm. I felt safe in the presence of God. Before Martha melted down, I'm sure Jesus knew that Mary was struggling, Martha was struggling. He could feel the storm building in her. They were close. She was his friend. And he was close in the moment. That's the key. But he let her reach the end of herself. He let her serve in her own strength. And I want you to write these words down. I believe he was in it. He was in it. He loved this family. He was preparing them for two events that would not just change their life, 
but actually would change the lives of all of us who need to know that Jesus is more than just a friend who comes to dinner. He's more than that. He let her come to the end, to her breaking point, and then he caught her. And then he caught her. This disturbance was a harbinger. A harbinger, which means an event that prepares or announces a coming event. David, who faced nice, faced night, night, marriage, nightmarish events in his life, he learned from them. He learned where to go. And remember, he would cry out, Lord, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. This was preparation for storm, 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 the megastorm in John 11. A storm that all of us, by the way, will face multiple times in our lives. Death of someone we love will come to our world. And for Lazarus, his storm was him facing death personally. So let's turn to John 11. Because this is a very important, important moment in this story. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and Martha, her, her, her sister. Verse 3, therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Jesus replied, when he got the message, the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Verse 6 has a word that we don't expect, that even shocks us in this story. He loved them, and so, and the so that we expect, so he hurried. He got on a horse and said, let's go now. But the so, the words after this so, when he heard that he was sick, he delayed. He stayed two more days. So when he got there, Lazarus was already dead. And he said, I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there. Because he had something bigger to paint. A bigger picture of this. Mary Mar- Mar- Martha ran to meet him when she heard. And he had a big talk with her, a life-changing talk. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Though you may die, though he may die, he shall live. Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he said, do you believe? And this is a big question for us that we need to nail. Do we? Do we? Martha sent a message to Mary. Mary came. They had a very similar conversation to face this event. And then they go to the tomb and he groans. Death was not his original plan. He groaned. said, move away the stone. And he called forth Lazarus. And lo and behold, he came. He came forth from death. And it's like God just rolled up his sleeves, reached into death on the other side of the 
the veil and pulled Lazarus up and said, not dead, not dead. And that's a picture that we must paint in our heart when we cross that veil. I'm telling you, living's going to start. Living's going to start behind that veil. And he was proving it in that moment. But now we haven't finished the story until we've gone to John 12 because this is huge. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus went again to Bethany, two miles from, from Jerusalem, where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom had been raised from the dead, he was there. Verse 2, there they, please circle the word they, made him a supper. They, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table, and Mary took the pound of very costly oil and anointed his, fa- his feet. There they are. There they are in this glorious scene, and I love it. I absolutely love this scene. It is beautiful. As we look at it, we stand back. There are so many things to be seen in this scene. This last event shows each of these members of this family gloriously abandoned. All hell was going to break loose against their dear friend Jesus. Jesus was intentionally walking into the shadow of the valley of the shadow of death, into the shadow of the cross. But in chapter 12, we see that every single one of them was all in. Martha was gloriously in her lane. She was in her lane. You don't have to be sitting down to be in your lane and worshiping God. You can be on your feet, serving with all your heart, with abandon. But she had got the message, the memo from God, don't do it alone. They made this dinner. They were all in. And Lazarus, Lazarus, he was there. A few verses later, it says, and let me read it. um, It says, but in verse 10, the chief priest plotted to put Lazarus to death also. Because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed. So Martha was serving her heart out. Lazarus, what was his part? He came to this dinner. Knowing there was a price now on his head. But child of God, he was not afraid. He was not afraid. He could say, I'm not afraid to die. Done that. Done that. In that scene, Jesus had ripped away the torment of fear of death. And Mary sensitive, intuitive, listening to God's voice, she knew, I think they all knew, that this may be something that's the storm of all storms. And she took her oil. She did what she could. Each of them did what they could. 
She did what she could by taking this oil. Maybe it was her dowry. Maybe it was the oil that, that all many Jews saved for their death and anointing their body. And basically she said, I'm not waiting. I'm spending it now. This is a glorious scene. And whatever your temperament type, God has a abandoned, glorious, serve with all of your heart moment for you. And that's what this story is about. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you, God, that you are the king of the world. You are the king not only of this world, but of the universe and eternity. The king of kings. And God, whatever sometimes creeps onto the throne of our heart, Lord, may this be the day that there's no room for anything or anybody but you. Set us free to have your wind under our wings. And we ask it with all of our heart in Jesus' name. And they all said, Amen. God bless you.